Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. Inside the Game Guys podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you Wednesday, March 23rd. Hope all of you are doing quite well. <clears throat> Good to be with you today. Thanks to Heritage Digital, as always, for sponsoring the first part of this podcast. Apologies for not uh, mentioning the sponsors during the emergency podcast in the middle of the night, the, the Salisbury Steak episode, if you will. Uh, but certainly appreciate Matt and all those guys at Heritage for uh, sponsoring this podcast. Be sure if you have IT problems at work to, to check them out. Uh, news and notes, Lamont Paris, of course, hired as the Gamecocks new men's basketball coach. I have some thoughts on that. Um, uh, you know, and I, and I talked about this on the emergency pod, and uh, there's several things I want to address first, and we're just going to kind of go with it today because I have to get to the mailbag segment and have to be on JB and Goldwater. <clears throat> first and foremost, um, there's some concern out there that, or not concerned, but talk because the press conference hasn't happened yet that, uh, you know, maybe the board of trustees is holding this up, the president, uh, whoever. Uh, I want to end that uh, speculation or that hope for some of you right now. Um, And and then look, I'm not going to end it unequivocally because there could be a Game of Thrones style, you know, coup or whatever where uh, things go sideways. It's South Carolina. And more on that in a second. Um, but uh, the press conference was always going to be Thursday. Uh, and the reason is there's logistical things and, and hurdles they have to go through, the board of trustees, all that. And so they settled on, on Thursday. I should have reported that. I was told that Sunday uh, by the same person that told me Lamont Paris is going to be the guy. Uh, I was right. Um, it's kind of funny. I, some folks out there first reported by XXX and uh, – you know, I think XXX was still talking about BJ Mackey being in the mix. Uh, you know, anyway, I don't care about that anymore. I, I used to. I used to care. Oh, I got it first. Who cares? Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, I thought it was kind of funny. Um, so I was told that, and I, I'm going to blame myself for this. It's on me uh, because I should have said, don't expect a press conference until Thursday. And that's my fault. I mean, those details escape me. Um, I like to give details, and, and I just didn't. And so blame blame me because I've known it was going to be Thursday for a while uh, for that situation. Uh, number two, um, and I spoke about this briefly on the emergency pod the other day. Uh, I said, be careful. It's a historic hire, the first African-American head coach uh, in program history. You don't want – people who are ignorant that are out there on Twitter that are, you know, within cancel culture realms to say anything about your fan base. If you go after the coach directly, uh, cause they don't care that BJ Mackey was the guy most of you wanted. Uh, they don't care to look into it. Uh, you know, people are just, uh, you know, a lot of people get on, um, 
I don't know, populations, uh, fan bases that reside in the South these days. My, my opinion on that, not to get political, is that, and I, I guess this is not political, it's more civics, uh, I guess, than politics. But, but uh, you know, having you spent a lot of time north of the Mason-Dixon line, uh, there, there's a lot of people that live in your northern areas now that are uh, jealous of people that live in the South, that desire to move to the South. Uh, you know, and, and it's because of things like low taxes, good weather, uh, quality of living, uh, that type of thing. So uh, I think a lot, my, my concern was a lot of that stems from, you know, people whose own living situation and all that good. And, and they're like, why is everybody moving south? You know, because they have kind of a, a slant on society. Uh, that was avoided, but there was, um, you know, one of those dudes on Twitter yesterday that, uh, attempted to cancel the entire website and the Gamecock fan base that, you know, called everybody white supremacists, um, even though, you know, we have a large number of uh, members that aren't white, you know, and that, that didn't like the hire. And then the other candidate was white. I, I was, was African-American and BJ Mackey. And he didn't care. And I went off on him, you know, and he deleted the tweet to his credit. So I'm not going to run him down. But, you know, that's just kind of what we deal with in society. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people throw the term cancel culture around and, and I get that, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a buzzword, but that was definitely cancel culture. Uh, to me, cancel culture is when you just literally make stuff up based on your own personal narrative and you vilify an entire group of people without knowing what the hell you're talking about. And that's exactly what that guy did. I mean, I was about to get a lawyer after him because that's, uh, interference with the ability to do business. I think, I don't know if I'd had a great shot or not, but uh, what little that guy had was about to be mine, I think. Uh, And, you know, but I backed off good sport. He had deleted it. um, And so that was good, but I did want to bring that up just because I wanted to say this, I am very proud of this fan base, Um, you know, for, not necessarily attacking Lamont Paris directly. You know, uh, I, I, I understand and was critical myself of the process. I didn't think that was the hire that should have been made. Uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, not even the basketball program, like the, the Muschamp hire in football, which I admitted I was behind. Uh, and then the Kingston hire, which, you know, I supported for a while. And the reason for that is, you know, with those guys coming in, you had to like, it was almost like a clicking your heels together and trying to get out of Oz because, you know, you had a guy that didn't do well at Florida, but then you're like, well, you know, he's done this, 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 and it didn't happen. And then with Kingston, you're like, well, you know, he's an up and comer. He's been at two bad programs. Um, You know, so that's the reason for the inconsistency. Uh, no, he's been just as inconsistent here. And, and my, what an embarrassing outside of one weekend start, or actually one day. This was a doubleheader. Um, I did think they fought hard in game one against Texas, but uh, for the baseball program. And uh, everybody involved with that program right now should be tremendously embarrassed. Uh, one of the things Ray Tanner, the baseball coach, did, he, he won 90-what-something percent of his midweek games. Uh, and then these guys have lost to Citadel and, uh, and look, you, you never want to lose to Citadel. I mean, it, it's happened. It happens from time to time, uh, in baseball, but, uh, Xavier, oh God, you know, maybe Carolina and Xavier need to play, uh, in, in some sports more often, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and so when you have a fan base that, that you've had to twist yourself in knots to explain why, a resumes like that, even though there are perfectly legitimate reasons why Lamont Paris did not start off well at, at Chattanooga. Uh, and it took him, you know, till year five to get to the the tournament, uh, you know, cause they, those years is, is a third and fourth year. You know, you don't know how much COVID impacted them and can they cancel the season and, uh, you know, the, the other year. So, uh, you know, there's reasons, uh, but I think people are sick and tired of having to guess and, and then play fantasy football or fantasy sports with coaching hires. Uh, and I, I, you know, after seeing what happened, I'm like, if you're going to make a mid-major hire, you're going to make a risky hire. And I even take this back to Darren Horn. My new rule was, all right, I'm not getting on board 
with a resume that has a bunch of holes in it. You know, I, I'm just not, especially a guy from a lower level or a guy that's gotten fired from another job. Um, you know, and, and that includes, you know, Andy Kennedy, who I think is a hell of a coach, you know, uh, you know, in, in, in 12 years at Ole Miss, I think they probably miss him at Ole Miss a little bit or anybody like that. I was like, I'm just not getting behind. It. And it's not that I don't want to be wrong or don't want to be embarrassed. I'm just like, fool you once. And I said this, I messed it up, but I said this, fool you once, shame on you, fool you twice, fool me twice, shame on me. You fool me a third time, nah, it's not going to happen. Not, not with J.C. Sherwood. Uh, now, do I think Lamont Paris is going to be a disaster? No. I, I, I can't sit there and say this guy's doomed to fail from the beginning. He will fail if, you know, there's not a lot of support or he can't recruit or he can't coach. Uh, you know, he will fail. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, you got to be fair to the guy. I mean, he you know, he's taking a job that uh, is a step up in his career. He wanted the job, and and everybody just screamed, I know, into the, uh, well, it doesn't matter if you want the job. We're sick of hearing about that. Go get a guy. And I agree. You know, um, because even the Beamer search, it was all, well, he wants to be, you know, and, and that's fine. And I think that's important, but, you know, I don't think that's the only criteria, nor do I think a great interview should be the only criteria. Uh, I know who Shane Beamer is, and so that's easy to get behind. Because okay, and and the other thing is Shane Beamer had lost zero games when he was hired. I think that's why BJ Mackey could have been a great hire. You know, nobody's going to sit there and crap all over BJ Mackey from the start. They're at least going to give him a shot. You know, and, and look, you guys did not crap all over Lamont Paris. I'm proud of you. Uh, just from the standpoint of, you know, with the exception of that one fool, uh, you know, on Twitter you know, who, who got hell brought down upon him as far as Twitter goes. And, and that's what you got to do for people like that. The Twitter warriors, you know, I didn't sit there and threaten him and, you know, blah, 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 you know, anything like that. They're looking to get a rise out of him. Uh, and I just told him like, legally you're full of excrement. And, uh, you know, if, if you want to take this further, we can't. Uh, and then I reported him to Twitter and then he did leave. So we get anyway. Uh, but I'm proud of you guys. Uh, for that, uh, you know, I'm proud that, you know, this fan base, which I consider an extended part of my family, uh, doing business with you guys every day, uh, communicating with you guys every day and gals uh, growing up that way. You know, I, I'm proud uh, because I, I, I think the, the, you know, I can't speak for everyone's heart in every fan base and population everywhere. Uh, but but this this is not a racist institution or racist fan base. It's just not. I know too many of you. I know how you react to things. I mean, it's just not, you know, and that's uh, and that's speaking generally. Like I said, maybe there's some idiots out there, but uh, I just don't think uh, I don't ask the case at all. So enough about that. So Ray Tanner uh, didn't call for him to be fired. Wasn't overly, you know, critical of him. But I think when you when you 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 hear me say hires and I mean, he's made those uh, with the exception of Darren Horn. So uh, I, uh, you know, I, I want you guys to know that. I also want to tell you that I, I don't know that it's a hundred percent him as far as how things have gone. Uh, and I'm talking about the, the board of trustees. Now I have to dig into this. I know some board of trustees folks, they're really great guys and gals. Uh, they love the university. Um, I don't know the 21 of them, you know, I think there's 21. It's a massive amount. Um, but there's enough there, both academically and athletically, for me to, to kind of understand that it, it is, and this is not anyone personally on, on the board. Uh, I know board people probably listen to this and uh, some of them and, you know, the ones that, you know, <laughs> probably the ones I like or, or know, and, and then some don't. And, and then there's some that aren't really Gamecocks. And then there's some that, you know, they're kind of appointed and, you know, but I know enough watching that, that governing body or oversight body or whatever it is to know that, it, that there's not a lot of, you know, consensus. And, and how it was explained to me was, well, they were all behind Sean Miller. And then 
It was scattershot. And, and when you have 21 people you're accountable to, you know, with 21 different agendas and, and opinions uh, that they could nix something, you know, you, you really, you're playing a lot of politics that, that, that it's unnecessary. Um, and that's a lot of people, folks. I mean, I likened it to, and you look at kind of what has to happen in Carolina athletics to get things going. Uh, you know, any contract over 200 grand, they have to approve, you know, this is the sec, you know, 200 grand is a lot for me, <laughs> a lot for most of you, many of you, it's dropping the bucket for an sec athletic department. Uh, and I likened it and, in, in, you know, and I hope I don't get this wrong. Those of you that are kind of government experts, but, I kind of compared it to the Pentagon versus the United States Congress. Okay. Imagine if the Pentagon and, and they do negotiate for appropriations and budget and all that Congress controls the purse strings, just like the board of trustees. Uh, imagine if the Pentagon, every time they bought an F 35 or a tank or an aircraft carrier, just one singular, they had to go get congressional approval for all from all what? hundred and 188 members of Congress with all of those competing agendas, I mean, we'd get invaded. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, it, 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 you know, it, it'd be complete catastrophe. Um, so I looked around and, and I said, and look, South Carolina is not alone in the Southeastern conference. As far as this setup, I, I believe Auburn has this setup. Pauls, Pauls. <laughs> <laughs> I, and they're very active in athletics. And I, and I think Missouri are two that I came across. I got to do more research on this. But, but I kind of looked at some peer schools. I looked at Florida and Georgia. And, and those two schools have the Florida Athletic Association and the Georgia Athletic Association. Uh, they're nonprofits. They are part of the university. And the, 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 the athletic director heads it up, and he reports directly to the president. But they, they have their own board that approves things and, and they enjoy a degree of autonomy and look, Florida and Georgia have fired coaches. You know, they've had coaching searches go sideways on them. I mean, I remember a few years ago, uh, Michael Adams, the school president at Georgia fired Vince Dooley and it, you know, it, it caused some problems the, the, those schools aren't immune to your politicking within Southeastern conference athletics. But if they want to pay Kirby Smart $10 million a year, they have an athletics board that approves it for, with people that are sports people, that, are, that, that have a vested interest, uh, you know, not necessarily financially, uh, in the university's athletics department. And I think that – and I don't know how you structure it. I don't know how you get that done. i got to do more research. I, I'm even going to look up the, uh, I guess, Constitution or bylaws of the University of South Carolina – I don't know if you'd have to get the state government to sign off on that or whatever, but I think there's a hell of a lot academically, you know, new medical school, whatever, you know, smooth transition, whatever the next president's vision at South Carolina is uh, to where that 21 member body has a lot on its plate and, and, and doesn't need to be meddling in athletics hires ever. You know, and a lot of these guys are, are, are Alex English is the exception. Uh, you know, some of them, I think, played football or whatever back in the day. A lot of them are just fans. They're, they're like, you know, it, it would be like, you know, you having to get 21 members of the bigspur.com to sign off on everything. Not all 21, yeah, 14 of them. You know, but a lot of them are big time fans. And I have no doubt individually, they all love the University of South Carolina. They want what's best. But, you know, there's always a bunch of opinions, you know, I mean, I, we all want that, but we all, you know, including myself have different ideas about how to get it done. And, and so it moves more like a battleship or a, or a, a, a freighter than a speedboat. And South Carolina is in a speedboat conference in case you haven't noticed, you know, and like I said, they're not the only ones that, uh, you know, other schools are not immune to this around the SEC. But I do look, there's two, you know, two schools right there, Florida and Georgia. And if you notice, you know, their coaching searches do go sideways. They don't always get their top guy, you know, Scott Strickland missed on, I mention this all the time, Chip Kelly and Scott Frost landed on Mullen. They had to fire him. But, you know, their coaching searches don't devolve into fiascos with, with everything that, 
you know, goes on. And then you look in fairness, I don't know that, uh, you know, the, the Beamer search was a fiasco. I think the Kingston search was sort of a lone wolf deal. Um, I'm sure the next baseball search will not be if the, the structure remains, which it probably will. Uh, this basketball search was the first one since Frank Martin was crazy and devolved. Um, you know, I look back to Hyman era. I don't know that, you know, I, I know he had his battles with those guys for a lot of reasons, uh, guys and gals. Um, but, but I'm in favor of establishing a South Carolina Athletics Association to govern the athletics department and let that multi-million dollar enterprise thrive, right? Financially, competitively, facility. And look, I'm not saying that when you have an athletics association, you don't have to work with the university and the board of trustees because you absolutely do. Uh, facilities, land, you know, that's all that's all still on the table. But this notion that you you have to go in front of the board of trustees to hire a tight ends coach is BS, in my opinion. You know, you know, you, you need the athletics association to sign off on it, and you're you're good to go. So I, I think there's there's a lot of grinding of the gears, um, you know, and it'd be easy for me to sit here and go like these guys just want power and they all need to be voted out and blah blah blah. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I think it's more the structure than anything, and and I think anytime you get that many people, and that's a large board board of trustees, folks, a large one, that many people with differing agendas, ideas, opinions. Uh, and they all, you know, I think they skip right over Pastides and go straight to Ray Tanner. You know, that that's going to make anybody's job hard. And Ray Tanner's not the first AD that's run into that. You know, people 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 are really mad at Ray Tanner right now, want him gone. I get it. Uh, well, Hyman and McGee didn't have problems with that. Well, Hyman did. Yeah, he did. He worked it behind the scenes and worked it out, but he did. I don't, you know, and I think McGee in a lot of ways is kind of, I don't know, he, he, he was he was good at like massaging those relationships and he did it by, you know, making, you know, hires that everybody loved. Uh, and that's, that's great. Um, but, you know, think about getting the CLA built and that was a fiasco at times. Uh, think about the facilities at a standstill while McGee was there. Uh, and I'll give you another example. Um, I don't know who Mike McGee personally preferred when it came down to Bobby Crimmins and Dave Odom uh, for the basketball job, which was my least favorite search. And, and I give Dave Odom a hard – that era a hard time just because I thought it was a missed opportunity. I mean, the program was what? Three years removed from winning an SEC championship, new arena coming. Uh, he had a chance to hire. I mean, that that search was tough because they they missed on Tubby Smith, missed on John Calhoun. I think they called Mark Few, and he was actually early in his career at Gonzaga and kind of talked to him and it didn't work. But, uh, you know, and then it came down to Crimmins or Odom. And I, and I thought, look, you know, the Bobby Crimmins thing, I was a kid when it happened. And it was very disappointing. Yeah, that's one of two times my dad woke me up to tell me about something that happened with Carolina Athletics. Uh, first time was when Joe Morrison died. And I think I think he saw it at 11, 11 o'clock news and woke me up. And the second time was when Bobby Crimmins went back to Georgia Tech. That was that was tough. And, and look, but I, I I think that Bobby Crimmins had his reasons. I, I think he was willing to step back in at the time. He, he still had, what, six, seven years of coaching. It would have healed a ton of old wounds. No offense to Dave Odom. Wasn't a Gamecock coming in. Um, probably a better recruiter than Odom. Probably would have had similar results. The staff he was going to put together would have been a very uh, uniting staff for this basketball program, which is still – fractured and divided after today. And uh, and so I don't know. I don't know who McGee preferred, but I know who didn't. And I know who I've been told on good authority stopped it. It was a board of trustees member. Okay. We're not going to hire him. All right. So there's an example of McGee having an issue. And, and look, I'm not saying 
oh, these guys are just evil. And, and, and that's not it at all. Like I said, I think they're all probably great people and, you know, love the university and all that. I'm just saying when you have that large of a board and that many competing agendas and you're relying on those votes to do the simplest of things like hire an offensive line coach or assistant in basketball as the salaries have increased and they right, you know, it's just how it is. You know, you can have a situation where you're, you're just, it's cumbersome and nobody can operate that way. And and that's not a defense of Ray Tanner or the hire or anything like that. Cause you, you, you Ray leaves, you're going to have another athletic grader in here. And it, it's gotten to be well known enough to where my concern is, you know, cause everybody thinks, Oh, you're going to go hire Tom Jurich or, you know, some big name AD and he's going to come in here and save. No, that, that's the savior. If South Carolina fans, some of them, not all of you, have a savior coach and personnel complex. And, and that's fine because it stems from the McGee era and, and hiring Frank McGuire many years ago and all that. Big name's going to come in and bail out the Gamecocks. Well, those days are over, you know. And, and so if you think with this type of dysfunction, which is now more known than ever, the big name AD is going to come in and work in that environment versus maybe going to a school where he enjoys autonomy because they have an athletic association or it's a friendly board or whatever. You're sadly mistaken. I don't, I don't care how great it is to live in South Carolina and all that. One final point on this that I would like to point out is, uh, I think there's a, a, a disconnect sometimes. It's probably because Eddie Floyd whose name is on a building still, is on the board. And some of those guys do get a lot of money. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, there's a difference at South Carolina, though, and I want to stress this to you folks, between the big money boosters and the board of trustees. And I am in no way, shape, or form talking about any of the big money boosters at South Carolina. In fact, those guys are all pretty cool. You know, Hey, and he needs some money for ops building. All right, you got it. You know, I need, you know, you got a buyout. You got to cover during code. Okay, got it. You know, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, those of you out there that are so mad at Tanner or, or higher or whatever that, you know, these guys sometimes maybe shouldn't, you know, flex their muscles a little bit. But I, I don't want you guys to think at all that the board of trustees is not only made up of people who control the purse strings, but people that are the purse. Cause that's not true. You know, I mean, Darla Moore was on the board. She's gone now, which was freaking ridiculous. Whoever, I mean, I remember Nikki and then it's no offense to the person that replaced her. I hear he's a great guy, but uh, that's on Nikki Haley. And then however, she was, pissed off about the, the president search that's bad you know yeah so she was a big money so i think maybe the perception there is that big money people sit on that board and while i think probably all of them are pretty well off a bunch of lawyers and doctors and things like that uh i don't want you to confuse that with south carolina's mega boosters those guys the mega boosters you probably couldn't make a list of them they don't operate that way. And I think that's actually, compared to some other SEC, I think it's actually awesome. That's a great working environment for any AD, including Tom Jurich. But when you have to go through all this, jump through these hoops for these 21 people, every time you do something, that's not good for anybody at all. You know, so I, you know, I don't know. And I think oversight is always good. I don't think that, you know, anybody should that's in that position just rubber stamp anything. You need to ask right questions. But like I said, this is like, you know, the Pentagon, which is part of the executive branch, which reports to the president. This is like the Pentagon having to go not to the president or, or anybody in the executive branch or the secretary of defense or whatever to get appropriation or, or to not appropriations, but to make, you know, to buy aircraft carriers or whatever. Um, or even ammo, I mean, or whatever, you know, uh, this is, this is about them having to go to the United States Congress <laughs> and that's a pain in the butt. I mean, I couldn't imagine that. You know, like I said, come invade us. Actually, nobody will 
probably ever invade the United States. Everybody's armed. <laughs> it's a big country. But uh, look, I, I just uh, so anyway. Beside the point, I I just wanted to stress that uh, again. Uh, the BOT at South Carolina again not attacking any of them individually. And I don't think they're this big heinous blob that's not got the best interest, you know, at the university and the athletics program in heart. I don't, I'm going to be completely fair. I think it's more the process and the more, you know, you, you cannot every time you go to do something significant, get a consensus from 21 people. Well, 22 plus the president, I would guess. You just can't. You know, nobody does that. Nobody does that. So uh, athletics probably should seek, and, and, and the new school president and whoever, and, and all of us out here, we need to demand change in that department because it, it's a gear-grinding process to the point where, you know, regardless of Tanner's hiring track record, which I think that's what everybody's kind of focused on because, again – Paris was a tone deaf hire. You know, uh, you keep going to these guys with, oh, one good year or up and down and then expecting everybody to just say, oh, yeah, well, you know, it'll be consistently good here. Well, why? You know, nobody's shown any of that. And again, if, if Lamont Paris had had two good years back to back like he had this year at Chattanooga, nobody would be saying anything. But, uh, you know, nobody wants to sit here and project, you know, and we call it, we, in football recruiting, you call like the guy that's six, seven, two fifty. That's a tackle that, that, you know, if you put him in an sec football game right now, he's probably going to, you know, get destroyed, but in three years, Hey, he's going to be destroying. That's called a projection, you know, with coaches, the only projections that, that, that I really would get on board is an assistant just because they'd never zero and zero record. So, so, yeah, you know, project, you know. But you have guys with up and down track records and not consistent track records or one good year. I call them the one shining moment coaches. That's what I would say Paris's resume looks like. Then, uh, you know, 0-2 right now. Um, I don't think you, you, everybody's going to get behind a third. And again, that's nothing to do with Lamont Paris. Again, embarrassing loss in baseball last night to the Citadel. What's new there? Uh, we're going to talk more football later this week, folks. I, I've got a. Uh, I've been following it, listening, heard really good things uh, out of spring practice. It's spring practice, as we all know. But uh, I believe that uh, you know we're we're going to circle back with some football here uh, very very quickly. Um, on the pod. So don't worry about that. Uh, all right. I want to tell you about Cindy Searfoss. Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell. Caldwell. Let me start over on that. All right. Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, Real Estate in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, upstate South Carolina, married to a diehard game kind of fence. He's been in the upstate 35 years. And we'd love to help you with any of your real estate needs. You can contact Cindy directly, 864-414-5271 or CSEARFOSS, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at C-B-C-A-I-N-E C-B-C-A-I-N-E.com. Right there, Daniel Morgan Avenue, Spartanburg County, Greenville County. Real estate's booming. One of my buddies just uh, sold his house for 120000 profit. He only moved into it two years ago. So I know some of you are looking to sell. And some of you are looking to buy. And Cindy can help you get through that. Again, Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271. Tell her JC from the Inside the Gamecocks podcast sent you. She is a proud sponsor. Speaking of sponsorships and things like that, um, I have kind of an announcement to make. Uh, I'm going to do this. I I have probably a 60-day time frame to get it launched. Uh, I am going to start a collective similar to the Garnet Trust, uh, where, in other words, you guys donate, I facilitate those funds uh, 100% outside of things like, you know, stamps have had to mail something, you know, and, you know, you know maybe uh, 
maybe some, uh, I don't know, other than postage and shipping, I don't even know what a you know, bank fees, credit card fees, you know, the cost of doing business. Outside of that, I'm not making any money off of it. Neither is anybody at the website, neither is anybody but South Carolina student athletes. And it's going to be a little different than Garnet Trust. Uh, you're not going to see uh, us signing deals for the big spur for guys to write diaries or interviews or anything like that. Um, maybe occasionally if there's a reason, uh, let's say like for Marshawn Lloyd, for example, uh, he's got a clothing line. If he wants to come on and talk about his clothing line and uh, you know, we sit there and, and talk a little football right here on the podcast. Great. But there, there has to be kind of a, it'll be a special circumstance. And the reason I'm saying that, and nothing against the Garnet Trust, I think all their stuff they do is great, and it's a great idea. Uh, and it's not a competition with them either. And that's part of the reason. I, I didn't want this to be something where it's Gamecock Central versus Big Spur, and you guys are like, well, I'm a Big Spur guy. or I'm Because some people are. Most of you are members of both. Um you know, I, I didn't want it to be a Gamecock Central versus Big Spur thing. This is about Carolina student athletes. And so so what this is going to do is, you know, you give money, all that good stuff, and then it gets facilitated out uh, to the players at a premium price for their, their time and work uh, to do promotions. Um, you know, in other words, an example of, of my – of this podcast, my other podcast, my other media ventures, all of my affiliated businesses, which there are many, uh, it's going to be kind of like a promotional collective. And, and those that donate to it can benefit from that as well. Whether that's a, you know, personal shout out or, or, you know, somebody wants an autograph they want to pay for, if I can arrange it or something like that. Um, you know, and, and, and the goal is, I mean, look, I had a meeting the other day. You can pay these guys whatever you want to do whatever you want. There just has to be something in exchange. You know, if it's paying a guy X dollars to get on an Instagram live and, and wear a big spur hat or a, uh, you know, Cindy Searfoss realtor T-shirt, or, uh, that's an example. I don't know that, you know, it's just one example. Um, you know, barbecue joint that's affiliated with us or whatever that's the kind of thing that'll happen. And number one, I, I, you know, like I said, I didn't want it to be a Gamecock Central versus Big Spur thing. Number two, uh, you know, I, I personally, student athletes are the one thing they don't have a lot of besides money these days uh, is time. And uh, I think sometimes things get very cumbersome when you're, you know, you've got like, a, you know, I'm giving you this money, but you got to do all this stuff. And, and I'm not saying that's what they do at Garnet Trust or anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know, I wanted something quick and easy, wham, bam, that, that you know, you have to get something of benefit in return, uh, but you also can overpay, which is uh, kind of the idea of it, you know, until they change the rules, whatever you do in the rules, that's fine. So uh, there's no way to donate right now. Uh, if you are out there and want to be an affiliated business, uh, and this is, I'm not talking to any of you that advertise on the podcast or that I've talked to already, you know, shoot me an email at inside the at gmail.com. All right. On to the mailbag. And our mailbag is the I help consulting mailbag. So Daniel, you don't have to get up with me about that. Uh, I help consulting is, uh, gosh, the, the sponsor, blah, blah, blah. I got to find the, the ad here on my email. It's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, all right. There we go. Um, nope. Did they? Oh, I'm, a, I'm on a different page. Goodness gracious, guy. Well, no. ILConsulting.com. I guess, man, I guess. Did Google eliminate? No, there's no way. Uh, you know. Goodness gracious. All right, I found it. I found an, another one. All right, so Daniel, maybe send me the uh, the original iHelp Consulting ad. But I've told you how Daniel Owens with iHelp Consulting can help your business save money on credit card processing, insurance, telecom, without sacrificing quality. But you may be wondering how it works. It's very simple. 
Call or text Daniel, 843-372-5713, and set up a quick phone call or face-to-face meeting. Daniel will examine where there may be savings and let you know if you're paying junk fees, rates are too high, whatever. You also may be wondering, how does he get paid? I don't want to pay a consultant. We have nothing in our budget for that. That's okay. You don't have to have a budget for it. Uh, They don't charge a flat fee. Uh, They don't save you $3,000 and charge you four. That's not how they do business. You only pay a percentage of your first year savings. Somebody saves 60 grand. Uh, Not only that, if Daniel determines he can't save you money, you don't owe him a dime. Uh, So call or text Daniel Owens, 843-372-5713, or email uh, iHelpConsulting. Actually, no, sorry. Go to the website, iHelpConsulting.com. iHelpConsulting, how can I help you? It's the iHelpConsulting mailbag. Two ways to get in the mailbag, and I'm going to have to burn through these because speaking of iHelpConsulting, they're a sponsor of JB and Goldwater as well. Um, the, uh, are two ways to get in the mailbag tweet to at the big spur pod. Also follow our Instagram account inside the game cocks. Um, and look, man, there's all these, uh, and I'm going to like them because I haven't answered questions since the firing, you know, I just, uh, the scheme, I, they're all about Sean Miller. All right. Patrick says, during the Sean Miller courtship, it was stated the university is ready to make a big-time commitment in basketball. Assistant coaches, facilities, recruiting, et cetera. Was any of this on the table with Frank? Why now? Why not after the Final Four run? Patrick, that's a good question. Uh, Frank had a uh, Frank wanted to expand his staff or uh, hire people for higher dollars. It's um, – um, by the way, the Board of Trustees meeting is at noon – uh, to approve a athletics contract, that's uh, that's Lamont Paris. So probably one or two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. You're looking at the presser that just came across. Um, I, uh, you know, it wasn't that. It was more the facilities thing. They couldn't get on the same page. I was told straight up that um, there was no interest on the part of some people building a nice Taj Mahal practice facility. Um, but I think as time has gone on, uh, it's almost better that, that Frank had the seasons he did. And, you know, I, I never think the attendance at the CLA has been a good thing at all. Uh, but, it, you know, as is the case with, like I told you, like keeping Will Muschamp after the 2019 season because of things unforeseen was actually a good thing. Uh, I think now – when you look at – because, you know, when I had that conversation about no interest, that was before the new SEC TV deal, before Oklahoma and Texas were about to join the league, before a lot of revenue boosters were about to come online, okay? And there could be even more revenue boosters, right? I, I think now, if you think about it, within the next 10 years – 10 years is not a lot of time uh, – the CLA will be 30 years old, <laughs> Believe it or not, time flies. I feel, God, I hope I'm still here. <laughs> but because uh, I remember I, I was not, uh, I was in my late 20s when it opened. Um, I think it's a great venue for concerts. I think, you know, when you have things like the NCAA tournament coming in and the seating is arranged to where the lower bowl is packed, it's an, it's an awesome basketball facility. But that's not how it's worked out for Carolina men's basketball. Women's basketball has, and that's a different seating arrangement. Um, and prices are going up. Uh, I, I I don't think there's a lot wrong with it. Uh, you know, I think it's probably going to need upgrading as a concert facility, circus facility, whatever they use it for at some point. And that's fine. And it, it's a revenue producer for the university. Uh, and I think that's great too. Graduation, you know, political rallies, if you will. I mean, it, it's not like an old barn. And uh, and you may be saying, well, JC, you know, it's not. How's it time for a new arena? Well, Frank McGuire Arena in Carolina Coliseum was only thirty four years old when the CLA came online, and when they built Frank McGuire Arena, it was great. Uh, and so I think that kind of stuff's coming now. Is that what they they promised? They haven't promised the new coach an arena. I'm, I'm telling you that right now. But I think you know facilities upgrades uh, in terms of continuing on with the Carolina Coliseum project and, and some things like that. 
you know, more money for assistance, that kind of investment, maybe helping the CLA with some easy adjustments, or maybe they're not that easy with seating, um, kind of like uh, they did out at Arkansas with Bud Walton. I think that those are the kinds of things you're talking about. Now, long term, within the next decade, I, Carolina's probably going to build an arena, is my guess. And that's a total guess. So don't say I said that if I'm wrong. Because, I, you know, I don't think – you know, in the CLA is almost like a, a building that was open, kind of like some major league ballparks, like Comiskey. When they opened the new Comiskey in Chicago, uh, it was just like, hey, brand new, state of the art, just like a lot of, new, you know, the few new stadiums that had come online. Well, the next thing you know, Camden Yards in Baltimore opens, and that ushered in the retro era of major league ballparks. So almost since the time it opened, Comiskey, uh, it's just not, you know, people in Chicago gripe about it all the time. Then they've had to upgrade it or whatever. Uh, I, I think at the time when they started building, you know, Carolina basketball was winning the SEC. I think a lot of people felt like Carolina just needed to get out of the Metro and into a big league and they'd start being awesome in basketball again because before they left the ACC, they were great. You couldn't get a ticket at Frank McGuire Arena, so they, they, built, a, they built an Arkansas with the idea of becoming Arkansas. And, and that's noble and fine. That shows commitment. You know, as crazy as it was getting that thing built, I mean, it, I think it showed commitment. Um, but shortly thereafter, uh, and probably longer than, than an MLB, the trend became smaller arenas, more bells and whistles, more premium seating. Uh, and that's kind of the way sports is trending, folks. Less seats. Even williams Bryce took seats out for the first time. Less seats, more amenities make it a nicer experience for fans. And a lot of that's because everything's on TV now and people are, it's much, it's much easier to sit here and watch it in high def uh, with the exception of the, you know, the one camera college baseball games, uh, watch it in high def and, and relax and not have to wait in line to go to the bathroom or deal with other people and yell and scream all you want and eat chicken wings and, Drink beer right in the comfort of your house. It's air conditioned, all that. Now, now the arenas are air conditioned, obviously. Uh, and there's just a certain amount of people that that that's got them, and then they're not coming back, you know, unless it's a gigantic game. Um, and I think the basketball fan base on the men's side has been eroded uh, because there's been a lot of stale to bad years, and then other sports have had really good years. So it's not it's a fourth out of four right now. Um, and I'll eat my words if uh, Lamont Paris comes in here and starts winning and the place has 17,000 for most SEC games and big crowds for others. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think Frank McGuire Arena is probably one of the probably perfect size uh, if you get rolling like that. But then I also think that, uh, you know, 10,000-seat arena with dual ops buildings for the men and women and basketball uh, practice facilities and, and things like that um, would be amazing. And the good news is you're probably going to do it after Alabama and Auburn and all these, so you get ahead a little bit, you know, so that's the thing there. So, but uh, anyway, Patrick, that was a great, uh, great deal. Um, Jane Gamecock, Jordy, uh, looking at the mailbag after a week off, 50 separate fire ray threads on TBS. Yeah. That definitely happened. Um, John Kane says, if the ticket price based on you know, women's ticket prices going up is based on the quality of teams, they should cut all men's sports. Uh, Dylan says, what's the latest on Rucker? Corey Rucker, uh, grad transfer from – or not grad transfer, portal transfer from Arkansas State, really an electric player. Uh, I think he's still visiting South Carolina. I'll tell you this. That kid was really fired up to visit with Don Staley, you know, one of the goats of basketball. So, for a kid from Yazoo, Mississippi, that that, that wanted to visit with Don Staley, I think that made a huge difference, guys. Um, and I think Carolina's in the driver's seat. I think he's still visiting Auburn, maybe, and uh, he's just never seemed, even though he's from Mississippi, fired up about Ole Miss. But uh, I believe he'll visit there. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe the Auburn visit. I, I wouldn't be surprised if by the time you listen to this, he committed to the Gamecocks and shut it down, kind of like Antoine Wells, who was going to visit uh, UNC. But 
you know, that remains to be seen. But what's the latest on Rucker? Carolina's doing quite well. And I and I wanted them to get another receiver. I thought just to feel safe about that group, nothing against those other guys. But if you get another proven receiver in there, all of a sudden you're talking about, my goodness, you have Bell, you have Wells, you have Rucker to throw to, you have Landon Sampson coming in, you have Xavier Leggett who's improved, you have Josh Fan who was massively improved last year is coming back. I mean, that's enough, right? <laughs> that's enough. So uh, thank you for your questions there. All right. We, the other way to get in the mailbag is inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com, the email address. And uh, I'm not doing too bad on time. So that's good. I guess, uh, you know, we'll see. And we will see what's going on here. We have many, many of them. Um, Sean says, hey, JC, I saw that George Kittle of the 49ers formed a petition to have all levels of football ban artificial turf. Thought it was interesting and made me think, do you think Carolina should switch to it? Maybe in the future, add an open roof to williams Bryce. The Panthers changed their playing surface, which came as a surprise to me. I, I don't know. Carolina had artificial turf back in the day, but it was that AstroTurf, concrete under it. I'm surprised more people didn't break their neck on that stuff. But uh, the field turf nowadays, I've been on the field turf, uh, practice field turf, uh, through my career at different various places, stadiums, stuff like that. Uh, cheaper to maintain, uh, but it's the University of South Carolina. And, you know, I think that the grounds crew at Williams-Brice and, and really everywhere else does they do a great job. And that, that's a beautiful playing surface. Um, and I've not, and I, I would be remiss to say I, – I, I, I think I would be being dishonest with you if I thought that was a good idea. Uh, it's not one of those things I'm going to stand on the table and gripe about. As far as a, an open roof or retractable roof, I, I could see it. I think there's more to be done before they do that. Um, one of the, I guess, reasons to do it may be if, if they take the bench seating out and you put actual seats in, and, you know, you, chances are they're going to be garnet and, Man, somebody's going to have like third degree burns on a on a September day if they sit in a garnet seat like that. So maybe you have some shade. Uh, I don't know. I think that would be long, long, long term. I don't even know that I would live to see something like that. Uh, just because I think you know, in the north end zone, there's going to there's going to be a lot of things happening with Williams Bryce uh, in the near future. That's the, and, and look, as much as everybody gets on Ray and Chance Miller about a coaching search, which is very important, which that's the job of the AD and the primary one. That's the most forward-facing. Uh, I think they've done a really good job with the ideas for the upgrades and stuff, and there's more to come. Thank you, Sean. Noah said, hey, JC, hope all is well for you. Maybe I watched too much NBA, but our offense in basketball was frustrating to watch. Turnovers, poor free throw shooting, missed opportunities. Any ideas on how to fix it? Can the team realistically make a decent offense out of the transfer portal? Yeah. I don't know. This was a couple of weeks ago where Noah sent this. Just depends on who they get, Noah. Um, as far as what, what I don't like uh, about the net ranking, which is the efficiency, the good news is Chattanooga ranked pretty damn high in that department. And, I think one of the things to like about Lamont Paris, uh, you know, if you're searching for things to like, he, he really emphasizes that and his style, which is very, you know, I mean, he came from Wisconsin, but they didn't at Chattanooga, they weren't really like that this year. Uh, but he stresses efficiency. So maybe that changes. Maybe that changes. Brad from Belton. He says the Gamecock play. Hey, it's Brad from Belton. Just wanted a few thoughts on the current state of the Carolina athletics, particularly dealing with the three major men's programs. There seems to be an underlying theme with football, baseball, and basketball is holding us back, causing unrest, and there's a lack of patience. It's my, In my opinion, it's not just the losses. It's how we're losing. A lack of offensive production. Runs and points are scored. Obviously, are what wins games, but a loss is easier to swallow when it's an exciting game. What it, and I'll stop right there. I 
I think a you know a 10-7 football game can be exciting. It's like a rock throwing contest, but it can be exciting. But I tell you, like you know, as far as baseball goes, uh a one-nothing pitcher's duel is good for me as far as being entertaining. And you know, not to say it's entertaining for my home run, oh, that's great standpoint, right? Because everybody loves offense, myself included. But the intensity of a one nothing baseball game is right there. I understand exactly what you're saying, though. And I'm uh, the base. This baseball team this year is likely to they're they're probably seventy percent more likely to lose a one nothing than to win. Um, this is for whatever reason we're not producing offense in any major sport at the moment. Am I off base? You're not off base. And the women's basketball program has started the we can't score thing too. Uh, 49-33 was their game against Miami. North Carolina and Greensboro is coming up. I shoot, I don't know. What's wrong with? I mean, that's a team full of McDonald's All Americans. Uh, Are the the rims at the? You know, has some prankster gone in there and messed with the rims at the CLA? I don't know. I mean, in that women's deal the teams the Gamecocks played couldn't score either. I mean, Howard had four halftime, I think. I don't mean to laugh at those girls. They try hard. I mean, but four. No, I don't think you're off base at all. I think people are sick of it. What you don't want to do, though, man, is you you do have to understand in the Southeastern Conference, in baseball, there's great pitching. In football, there's great defense. And in basketball, there are defensive-minded teams. And, And so I don't think you can sit there and go, well, let's lose 95-85 all the time because you're still going to lose. You still want to win. Uh, I think, you know, next up, and, and I'm, I sound like I'm giving up on the baseball team, and I probably am to a certain extent right now. Maybe I'll look stupid. I hope I do. Uh, the next up is the football team and the offense. I mentioned it earlier. They're going to have more weapons. So hopefully that happens. Hopefully that happens. Uh, Chris Bone to ask if they're getting curvied again to a certain extent because Sean Miller went to Xavier. Um, Mitchell, uh, here are more. Here are more uh, questions about the search. I'm sorry I miss these guys. Please, please, please send me. I, I'm never going to get this behind on the mailbag again. I'm an idiot. All right, Mike says, just listen to your emergency pod for the new men's basketball coach. Sounds like he can recruit. Makes me wonder who B.J. Mackey has recruited. Love Mackey. No, he's a future game cop. But my guess is right now he's too far behind Paris building his resume. Is that true? I, I believe that that's probably something that went into the decision. I don't necessarily agree with it. Uh, and, and like I said, it's probably not Lamont Paris's fault. It, it's probably the track record of the current athletics administration in hiring uh, and the fact that, you know, it's a, another hire that, that you have a track record that you want to examine and you go, Oh, it's been really up and down. And look, man, I'm going to tell you this. Had they replaced Marcus Satterfield last year at offensive coordinator? Um, I'd have said the same thing with another coordinator. If Beamer had hired him that had up and down results. I, I just think that sometimes, you know, you got to read the room a little bit and, and and not yet again ask your supporters to guess and wish and project and, and make – and I don't want to say excuses and, and then give all these reasons why things happen like they did at the other school. That, that's – somebody told me one time Will Muschamp gave this fan base PTSD, and I think it did because a lot of people, including myself, and I'm guilty of it, uh, and – Frankly, the reasons I gave uh, were more related to recruiting, and then I didn't know he's going to hire Roper. But you know, look, uh, or yeah, I, I gave the reasons why I didn't work at Florida, and at the time I was like, Florida's a up and down dumpster fire, unless Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier work there. I know it's the Gators; I know they're great, but I don't think South Carolina should just sit there and assume that you know well, whoever coached there. Well, I was wrong. I was wrong. And just like Illinois was wrong when they hired Ron Zuck and he took him to the Rose Bowl and they got fired. So I was wrong. At the end of the day, I was wrong. I think Muschamp did a lot of good things, but the same things, he did a lot of good things at Florida too. Uh, but I, I, I think that that hire 
and that tenure that lasted five years where everybody's still trying to sell, sell, sell the whole time with a resume like he had has, is at the root of this. Uh, and, and, and then you throw the Kingston hire on top of it. And then not a lot of people knew who Mark Kingston was baseball people praised the hire, but you look back, Illinois state, tough place to win. Right. And he, and he won, but one in NCAA tournament his first year never went back. South Florida, wow, a surprising NCAA tournament, losing season the next season, and another surprising NCAA tournament. He's here, and his tenures kind of followed the same pattern in South Carolina. So, look, Lamont Parrish could take Paris could take this program to the next level, and we're all sitting here going, "Why was anybody upset about it?" But, and it really has nothing to do with him and whether he'll work out or not. It has more to do with, wow, another one that you got to sit there and kind of go, huh? You know, and those haven't worked out. And Shane Beamer was kind of a huh, but like I said about BJ Mackey, and this is why I think Mackey was the better choice. Uh, you know, Beamer was a beloved former assistant, not a Gamecock grab, but a beloved former assistant with ties to the past that had a lot of support. BJ is a one of the best players in the history of the school. Uh, beloved by the fan base who had a lot of support, and he hadn't lost a game. And, and so you rally the troops, so to speak, because there's nothing really to pick apart other than never been a head coach. Well, this guy is 70 losses at Chattanooga, a losing overall SoCon record. Now, I don't think that – I don't think that the record thing is fair because he was – yeah, had the youngest team in the country his first year at Chattanooga went 3-15. and 15. Otherwise, there would not be a losing SoCon record. That kind of thing, but you know, I, I I think that's why a lot of us, regardless of who may be the better coach right now or the more experienced coach, uh, are kind of like, huh, you know. And look, I don't think Lincoln Riley or Kirby Smart would have worked out at South Carolina. That may sound stupid, uh, but I think you know, and you know, Kirby his success speaks for itself, but the job at Georgia speaks for itself too. I think he deserves credit for elevating them, no, no doubt. And maybe he would have elevated it better at South Carolina. Uh, but there's a difference. There's a difference. Okay. Lincoln Riley at the time, you know, what they needed at South Carolina was recruiting, in case you don't remember, Muschamp's first team that actually doubled the win total. I mean, that, that that offense that year was full of freshmen. And before Bentley took over, they couldn't score. And they were on their way to like three and nine, maybe with a loss to UMass, <laughs> uh, which would have been a disaster. And uh, I, I don't know that Lincoln Riley could have come in and recruited and gotten that roster back as quick as Muschamp did by combining guys, putting guys in the right spot. That's the theory of mine. You know, so – you know, I, I I don't I don't know for a fact that BJ Mackey would have come in and and, and been the answer, uh, but I think Lincoln Riley or Kirby Smart back then would have been less. Carolina fans would have rallied behind them more and been more patient, uh, just because you didn't have the albatross of the Florida thing, uh, and you didn't have people trying to kind of explain why this went wrong here, this went wrong there, uh, and like I said, I was guilty of it. You know, and I uh, I was very adamant about it, and I I was wrong, but that's what I believed, and and all that. So you know, that's the lessons. Those are the lessons that should have been learned. I mean, instead of Kingston, if you'd hired just about anybody else that was known, uh, that was kind of on the list that time, you know, Chris Lamonas from Indiana wanted the job. Uh, you know, who who had consistent tra- a consistent track record in Indiana. You know, maybe you uh you know, maybe things are different. So uh, it, it's not necessarily they hired Lamont Paris. I'm gonna not bash him, I'm gonna judge him. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna sit here when he misses out on a recruiter, loses a game or whatever, somebody transfers out, bash him and say, Oh my god, I told you so. I'm not, I'm not. That's stupid. You know, you got to give the guy a chance to put it all together, and then there's next season. But uh, what I what I am not going to do is twist myself in knots, you know, defending another track record that's spotty. 
that's spotty. I do like the trajectory, but Kingston had trajectory at South Florida. You know, Muschamp actually technically had trajectory because he went from four wins to six. It would have been seven had they uh, not had the Idaho game canceled. And their offense did improve his last year at Florida. But uh, uh, I like it. But, I, and, but you know, when I, when I talk about trajectory, uh, you know, that was Darren Horn at Western Kentucky. But I also have a rule, no more one-shining moment coaches. You know, unless it's like football where you have a three-year build and then you, you know, go 11-1, and one, I think – I think at that point that happens. But, hey, look, Justin Fuente in Memphis had that trajectory, right? Last I checked, Virginia Tech fired him. I think that's because of Justin Fuente, but that's another time. All right, folks, I have to – you know, by the way, Bone emails back, disregard that email, we got Kirby. Can't think of another program. This has happened to more than once in 10 years. Just rain out a good closer. I don't think you can call him a good closer right now, which is sad. Very, very sad. Um, all right. Well, we got two, we got a football question, another basketball question. And Noah adds that uh he thinks Coach Paris is gonna be good in the portal. I, I tend to agree with that. I, I think when you listen to him talk, he talks a lot about the portal and all that. Gotta run, gotta do JB and Goldwater. Thanks all of you for tuning in today. I think it's another good media episode. Like I said, we're going to get back into football uh, later this week, probably soon, uh, very soon. Going to also keep up with the mailbag questions more. Uh, Apologies for you for that. Uh, Glad you took the time to listen today. Uh, Like I said, if you're interested in becoming an affiliated business, uh, when when I launch the collective, the collective will be called Carolina Rise. Um, let me know, shoot me an email. I'm excited about having the opportunity to facilitate something that's going to be very, very important uh, for student athletes at the University of South Carolina. Okay, JC Sherbert signing off. This has been the Inside the Gamecast podcast. <laughs>